Okay, please rise for the reading of God's Word. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? One Bible. Okay, no more Bibles. It's a good problem to have. Mike knows the Bible by memory, so not a problem there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just fill us with your word, Lord, and that, God, that you would show us a large piece, Lord, this morning, a large portion of what your will is for our lives. And, Father, I just pray uh, that, that you would, Lord, just do a work in our lives and the lives of all the Christians, Lord, in this city. Uh, who are gathering this morning, Lord God. That you just break open all our hearts, that, God, you do a work there that, Lord, we come to change. We, we don't come just for a religious exercise, Lord. We don't come just to, to go through sort of a social custom, Lord. We don't come because of tradition or, uh, Lord, or, or, or habit, Lord. We come here because we, we recognize, Lord, that... We have to change, Lord, and the only way that's going to happen is your word, doing a work in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please do that work in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please be seated. So last week we were in uh, Acts chapter 18, uh, where we witnessed the birth uh, of a church, the church in Corinth. Uh, What an encouragement. It is for us, living in America, the United States of America, uh, to see uh, uh, God raising up in a a church in a place like Corinth. You know, I I see Christians sometimes today uh, getting into this unbelieving, uh, defeatist, and unbiblical kind of mentality uh, that there are cities and, and there are places, certain places, Uh, which just are so evil, they might as well just be written off. Might as well just write them off. I mean, they're they're just uh, so bad. Well, that's just such a misrepresentation of the heart of God. That that is uh, such a a misrepresentation of the power of the gospel, of the record we have in the Bible of of God establishing establishing, uh, churches in places like Corinth. Corinth, as we discussed, was a place that was fabulously wealthy. Uh, It was uh, uh, located in uh, the uh, eastern part of the Mediterranean uh, where trading routes between the Orient and the East uh, met and uh, uh, the uh, enormous amount of wealth just converged on this uh, city and poured into it. So uh, in Corinth, you had that same kind of chasing after wealth that we have today. 
and that uh, one of the nicknames of the city was Vanity Fair. And you thought some person just made that up to name a magazine after. No, that was Corinth uh, in 50 uh, AD. And uh, uh, it was given that name because just the vain pursuit of luxurious living. And, and, and there were theaters there. They, were, they appear to have the same addiction to, to sports that we have in this country. There was a big stadium. They had their own Olympic Games. There was races. There was boxing matches. I mean, the, you know, the whole thing. And, and, but its re- reputation uh, for wealth was dwarfed by its reputation uh, as a place of unbridled sexual immorality. Uh, Corinth was the, the sex capital of the world at that time. And, and, and for hundreds of years, the landmark of the city, overlooking the city, there was a temple uh, to the fertility goddess Aphrodite and, uh, and a thousand temple prostitutes worked there. And, and so for a fee, they would give out what they thought was love. And it, this was a, a religious act of worship. And uh, the rep- reputation of the city was so notorious that to, uh, it became known throughout the uh, Roman world that to Corinthianize, as we said, meant to uh, engage in illicit sex. To live like a Corinthian was to throw off any inhibitions in the area of sexual morality. And so you have the, the city of 500,000, 600,000 people. Uh, let me tell you, uh, the place was just a, just a seething mass of humanity uh, running after the lust of the flesh. And, that, and that's what it was like. And, and so, but wonder of wonders, what did we see in Acts chapter 18? Paul, a small group of Christian believers, uh, they come in, and what we saw was an act Remember, we were in the book of Acts, an act of the who? The Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, uh, filled with grace, the gospel of grace, declaring the word of God, uh, that salvation is by, uh, by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not, not of works, lest any man should boast. And, and a church was ex- established. And so, uh, five or six years later, Paul's in a different city. He's in Ephesus. And... Um, it's 57 A.D. about, and he writes a letter to this church that had been established in Corinth. And that's the letter uh, that we have before us this morning. And we're just going through with blistering speed two verses this morning. Uh, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus Christ, uh, through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And I'm going to spend some time, the balance of our time this morning, uh, on just those two words, uh, mainly that second word, but the first word, sanctified, and the second word, saint. The second word, saint. Sanctified. And saint. Let's talk about those words. They're from the same root word in Greek. The word sanctified in Greek is the word hagiaso. The word uh, saint in Greek is the word hagios. Now, uh, let's talk about that word saint. Uh, your Bible may not have that word saint. It may, your translation may have the word holy. Uh, actually, most of the uh, time when that Greek word is used uh, in the Bible, even in my translation, the New King James, uh, it's translated as holy, hagios. It means 
holy. Let me read to you a few verses from my Bible, the New King James translation, uh, 1 Peter 1.15. But as he who called you is holy, same exact word as you see in verse 2, you also be holy, hagios, in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Many of you are familiar with Romans 12.1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, declares the Apostle Paul, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, hagios, same word, and acceptable to God. Ephesians 1.4. God has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So, same word used throughout the Greek word, hagios. Uh, so, back to these two words. In uh, verse 2, uh, the word sanctified means to be made holy. In this case, it's the past tense, made holy. And the word saint uh, means holy or a person who is holy. So, with uh, that in mind, um, again, uh, what does the verse say? It, it, Paul is addressing these people and he's telling them, he's teaching them who they are. That's what we do when we come to church. That's why we come to church. That's why we open up and read our Bibles, is to learn who we are. And, and this is so important that we understand who we are. Paul says, uh, you in Corinth are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Now, that begs a question, right? What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? What does verse 2 mean uh, when it says the church in Corinth together with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, uh, what does it mean when it says they're, they're called to be holy? What does a holy person look like? Well, we, we better find out because, again, the Apostle Paul is saying all who call on the Lord Jesus, not just some, not just the chosen few, not just a few men and women who, you know, a church at some point designated them as a saint or as a, a holy person. No, all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, that means you and me, are called to be holy. What does it mean, that word holy? Well, the Greek word uh, hagios, it means separate or set apart. Uh, the thinking is someone who is not a part, or when you look at them, they're, they're in the world, but they're, they're really, there's something about them, they're not a part of the world. Now, one of the biggest misunderstandings of the word uh, hagios, holy, is that people get it confused with the word moral, M-A-O-A-L, moral. Uh, they may uh, uh, read a verse like uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 2, where it says that Christians are called to be holy, and they'll think, well, okay, that means a person who doesn't get drunk, they don't uh, uh, get smoked, they don't swear, they, they're sexually pure, they uh, don't gossip or backbite, they go to church a lot, they give the church money, they're a hard worker, they're a good dad or mom. Uh, if a person does those things, they will be holy. Wrong. According to the Bible's definition of holy, uh, you or I can do all those still uh, things and still be amongst the most unholy people on the face of the earth. That's not me. That's the Bible. That's not something I'm coming up with. That's the clear standard in the, uh, in the Bible. So, so what does it mean then to be holy? Well, actually, we spent about uh, 30 
Sundays, going at about the same pace we're going today, uh, going through Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, just the Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters uh, on that subject, the entire theme of the Sermon on the Mount is, what does it mean to be holy? And Jesus uh, uh, said in Matthew 5.21, he says, unless your righteousness... I repeated this verse so many times, people, I'm sure, uh, we're starting to get sick of it, uh, but that the whole uh, sermon uh, revolves around Matthew 5.21, which says, unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will in no ways inherit the kingdom of God. And then he went on to describe that kind of righteousness, that kind of holiness, uh, a holiness uh, uh, that... Uh, uh, that uh, no one on the face of the uh, earth had ever lived. It was a a holiness where anger is the equivalent of murder, where to call someone a fool was to do something deserving of the fires of hell, and and a kind of holiness where lust is equal to adultery. And, and, And there are three chapters over 100 verses of this kind of thing. Uh, uh, describing holiness, and uh, you know, in, and in the middle of all, lest anyone think that the standard doesn't apply to them, Jesus says, "You be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect." Wow! And and and, and so, why did Jesus uh, preach uh, that? Why did he teach that? What was the purpose of that sermon, the Sermon on the Mount? Well, we found that the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount was so that everyone. Throughout history, picking that Bible up and reading those three chapters would realize how spiritually bankrupt they are, how far from God they are, how unholy they are, and so that uh, they, actually we, would run in spiritual desperation to the only one on the face of the earth who has ever lived that kind of holiness and to to the one uh, who is the only one who can give us that kind of holiness and to the only one who can give us a brand new life, a new creation, the Bible says, in which we are empowered by the Spirit of God to live that kind of life. Uh, And and so, what does it mean to be holy? To be holy is to be like Christ. And and the specific ingredients of what a Christ-like life are are found in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So you can read the Sermon on the Mount. And and, 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 uh, if you don't... uh, have a half an hour. Uh, God forbid that you don't have a half an hour to do this, but if you don't have a half an hour to do that, there's a shortcuts. I'll tell you a secret. There's some verses uh, in the Bible that uh, cram, smush the whole thing into one or two verses, uh, and one of those, guess what? Turn to me r- with me right now, Galatians 5.22. Uh, this is an abbreviated version of the Sermon on the Mount in one and a half verses. Uh, please uh, read it with me. Galatians 5. Many of you have heard this verse. Galatians 5, verse 22. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Three persons, yet one, the Bible teaches. This is the fruit of Jesus' life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so, holiness. So for those of us thinking that uh, holiness is no boozing, no drugs, no sexual uh, immorality, let me tell you, that's just the caboose on the end of the train. And what's the caboose? It's the self-control. You know, having self-control of what we put in our bodies and what we do with our bodies, that's the last car on the holiness train. It it is preceded by what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, and faithfulness. That's what holiness is. Holiness is being like Christ. Holiness is obeying the Lord even when it hurts. Holiness is conforming your life to the uh, will of God at any cost. Holiness is worshiping the Lord with an undivided heart. Holiness is in the face of temptation. Holiness cries out like Joseph before Potiphar's wife, uh, how can I do this wicked thing against the Lord? That is holiness. Holiness declares with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, how can I, how can we who died to sin live in it any longer? That is what holiness is. Now, Let me tell you what I think is the most striking thing about verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 1. Let me tell you what I think uh, is the most striking thing. It is this. He is telling the church in Corinth uh, that they have been called uh, to this life. The church in Corinth that they have been called to this life. Corinth, one of the most uh, uh, decadent uh, cities of all time, Uh, certainly on the face of the earth at that time, the sex capital of the world, the vanity fair of the Roman Empire. And he's saying all of you um, are called by God, all of you are called by God to be a holy people, every one of you. It doesn't say, I know you guys live in this wicked place, you poor, poor souls, oh, my being battered around by all this temptation, you poor, I, I wouldn't dare say the same things to you that I told, you know, the church in Philippi or, or Thessalonica. You know, for you, I'm going to tell you, no, it says, all of you called to be holy, hagios, Christ-like, every one of you. And, and, and so, um, he, he, this is the standard, and, and he doesn't lower the bar. And guess what? This message, this word is so relevant to us today. I mean, we live in in a country where there's such a tendency in the church today to lower the bar, to to lower the standard of holiness expected in the life of a believer, to accept compromise, to accept a diluted kind of holiness, uh, 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 of what I would call a sort of maybe kind of holiness. Uh, a watered-down holiness. And, and guess what? Uh, we excuse it on the basis that that kind of holiness uh, you see you see in the Bible, it, you know, it's just too much to expect from a Christian living in the year 2006 in the United States of America. I mean, with a pervading anything-goes morality of Hollywood and TV and, mu- and music and movies uh, and, and with Internet access coming into the privacy of our bedroom, virtually every kind form of wickedness right uh, that we can just pull right up on the screen with a provocative dress code 
in this country with the hostile media, with the educational system, uh, this type of thing. Uh, get real. Don't be so judgmental. Don't be such a, a, a blockhead. Come on uh, with all this uh, holiness stuff. You can't expect someone living in the United States in the year 2006 to be living like they did on the prairie 100 years ago. Well, actually, uh, I may not expect it, but God does. And, and he expects uh, you and he expects me to live the same kind of holiness that was expected on the prairie 100 years ago and the same kind of uh, holiness he expected in Corinth uh, 2,000 years ago. He, he insp- and expected it in Corinth. He expects it of you and he expects it of me. And it's a blessed life. And it's a powerful life. Remember what the uh, Lord told the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18. Uh, Paul had come into Corinth and no doubt overwhelmed by what he saw there. Uh, I mean, wow, all the licentiousness and, and whatever, the debauchery and, and, and you know, uh, he just overwhelmed. And it says at one point he got very discouraged and filled with fear. And what did we read that the Lord said to him? The Lord said, do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now, as we talked about last week, when the Lord said, I have many people in the city, that doesn't mean there were a lot of Christians there. There weren't. There were practically no Christians, maybe none. Uh, uh, arguably, there may have been a couple, uh, but... but there were no Christians or very few in the city. Uh, what, uh, what the Lord meant by that was that he was drawing many people out of darkness to him. He'd already set them aside for salvation, appointed them for salvation. Uh, and, and he was going to use the Apostle Paul to draw those people to him. And, and, and what was it that was going to draw those people? Well, first, remember the Lord said what he said to Paul, do not be silent, but speak. So it was the word, the gospel of grace, and, It was combined with the Christ-like, Holy Spirit-empowered life in Paul's life and and the life of of the Christians with him. It was the word of grace combined with holiness. Always, that is, what draws people uh, to the Lord. You can't have one without the other. We can't uh, shut our mouths and live a life of holiness and expect to influence the world. We can't, um, you know... Live this, in, uh, open our mouths and, and declare the word of God and live an unholy life and just be, expect to be any influence. So it was the word of grace uh, combined with holiness. And let me tell you, it wasn't that watered down kind of holiness that you see in many quarters today. No, it was a holiness that reflected the life of Christ love, joy, peace, kindness, long suffering, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness and self control. And so, let me tell you, let's talk about this for a second. Let me tell you a huge mistake that uh, I see Christians make, and, and that I've made too. I'm as guilty as this as anyone. Uh, let me tell you what it is. Uh, they they want to influence the world around them, you know, at work or in the dorm or, 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 or in the neighborhood, in their family, and they want to be an influence, but, you know, they, they, don't, they, they, they don't want to do it through sort of a life of sort of biblical-like Holiness, but but you know they they try to do it by living what I would call sort of a holy light. 
okay? Or, or perhaps a, a light version of the worldliness that they see around them. So uh, they think that they're going to reach the world, you know, not by living holy lives, but by not being quite as bad as everyone else. And, 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 that's, and, that, and I see people do this all the time. So, you know, of course, we see this thing uh, in, in sort of the world with uh, cigarettes and beer, you know. Uh, you don't want to do that heavy cigarette thing, so what do you do? You get camel lights or, or Salem lights, or if someone wants to tone down the beer thing, it's uh, Bud Light or Miller Light, or if you don't want cream puffs, you get cream puff lights, whatever, you know. And, and you know, we'd, we'd like to make ourselves feel better, like things like this. And so, and, and so that same... The kind of mentality Christians do put on uh, to, and apply it uh, to, to basically their outreach to the world. And so, they, you know, they live in a, a city like Corinth and they live a Corinth light life. And they live in a city like um, or Boston and they live Boston light or frat light or worldly light, whatever. And, and so they look at... at, at, at people, at the sort of people in their life, and, and they look around, and they say, well, how can I just be, like, not as bad as they, and so they'll do things like, well, okay, instead of three or four beers, um, or instead of ten beers, I'll just have three or four, uh, and, and instead of X-rated movies, I'll do the R-rated thing, and instead of, uh, you know, the, the porn channel, I'll do the MTV, uh, and, and, and I'll use, you know, four-letter words that are not so, well, not so bad ones, I'll stay away from the real, real bad ones, uh, uh, you know, nightclubs are okay, but as long as they have a curfew, I'll listen to gossip, but I won't tell you any gossip, you know, it, it's sort of uh, outreach by not living quite so bad of a, 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 of, of a life. Well, let me tell you. Let me, I hate to break the news to you. And I found this out the hard way myself. You will not influence the people around you, the world around you, by living a Corinth light life or a Boston light life or New York or Arizona or wherever, San Francisco, like, I promise you, no one is going to walk up to you and say, wow, you know, there's something different about you. I noticed that the most you'll drink is three or four beers. I, 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 there's just something different about you. <laughs> you know, I noticed that, I noticed the goriest thing that you watch or, or is like MTV or, or, or R-rated movies. And, 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 and I noticed that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that you don't go do that porn stuff. You know, you stick with the MTV or whatever. And, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're just so holy light. Or you're just so worldly light, you know. And, and tell me about this God you serve. No, this is never going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, and, and so there's a very powerful example in the Bible, real powerful and unbelievably tragic, of someone who tried to live a worldly life Light, actually what it was, was a wicked light. Life. His name was Lot. And though first the, the Apostle Peter does say that he was vexed by what he saw every day in the city of Sodom. What was really go- going on is he was living a Sodom light life. Now, some of you know the story. The wickedness of Sodom was so bad that God, uh, the cries of, uh, uh, or the odor of the wickedness was so bad that God decided uh, to destroy the city. He sent two angels to the city to rescue Lot. Uh, the two angels came to the city and retired uh, at Lot's house 
for the night, and I'll read now a quote from Genesis, and it says, when they had retired into Lot's house, the men of Sodom, listen, listen to the extreme of this. I mean, this, this is really, this is bad. The men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called out to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them Carnally. Now, that was just, wasn't just a couple of people. It says, all the people from every quarter, both old and young. Wow. I would say that Lot's evangelistic outreach in that city was not exactly a model for success. Wouldn't you? But if you study the life of Lot carefully, as we did when we were going through the book of Genesis, uh, we found, you will find, that his model for outreach was to live a Sodom light life. Lot apparently thought it was a wicked thing for his neighbors to be seeking out his two guests. In fact, he told them so, but he was willing to give his two uh, daughters to them in their place. Wow. Sodom light. He apparently was no stranger to getting drunk. We see his daughters getting him drunk after leaving Sodom. He had so little influence on his family that his son-in-laws refused to leave. In fact, they laughed at him when he warned them. And uh, his wife had such an attraction to the city that she turned back and, and left. And, of course, her, her two, uh, his two daughters were just utterly depraved by what, we, you, what you see what happened afterward with them and, and him. They got him drunk and... Uh, had kids by him and this type of thing. So and not only did Lot have no influence on the city around him, he had no influence whatsoever by living a sodom light life. What really happened to him, and this is the real danger with, with you and me and anyone who tries to live this kind of holy, holy light life, is that eventually Sodom overtook him and his family. That's the danger. And, and so if you try to live a Corinth light a, a Boston light, a frat light life, whatever, you may very wind up, well wind up being overtaken by the evil that you are trying to influence uh, for good. Because what happens? That, has, that kind of life has no power. And so if, if, if you're living that kind of life and the, and the church is living that kind of life, all that's going to happen is, is the world's going to overtake it. Uh, and, and so um, uh, the, the Sodom light, like the holy light life, it's not what was what Paul is describing at all. It's the furthest thing from his mind in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Now, and no sooner had I decided this past week uh, what the subject of my message was for uh, this morning, holiness. I really believe the Lord told me early last week, teach on holiness. We need to learn about holiness uh, no sooner had I decided that, then what do we find out? Another uh, megachurch pastor leading a double life, exposed by the media. Would that every man in a pulpit in this country was exposed in the same way? The Bible says that judgment begins in the house of God. Praise God. Let that happen. Lord, please come do that. And I don't know much about this man or his church, and, 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 but what I do know is that uh, this man did not wake up one morning and, and, and say, you know, I'm just going to go do this thing. No, no, it started by living a worldly light 
life. It started by living a watered-down kind of holiness, an American-style holiness. It started out with a rationalization in his own mind. It's okay to live with these kind uh, of compromises. After all, this is America. i got to reach America. Uh, 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 Blah, 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 blah. You know, the problem, uh, again, what we saw in this man's life with living a worldly uh, light life is that not only will it have no influence on those around you, but the world around you will eventually overtake you, and that's what happened to this man. Listen, you know, I know this is hardcore stuff, but it's a word that is for today. God has called you to be holy. And there's a power in holiness. There's a blessedness in holiness. The abundant life is found in the holy life. Uh, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Obeying the Lord even when it hurts. Conforming your life to the will of God at any cost. Worshiping the Lord with an undivided heart. Crying out in the face of temptation. How can I do this wicked thing against my God? And and, and so uh, uh, read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1-2. Let's read it again together. Who is he telling them they are? He's saying you are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Actually, that's talking about positional righteousness. Christ has made them righteous through faith in him. And the righteousness that Christ lived was transferred to their life, imputed to them. But then he says, and you are called to be holy. You're called to be holy. And so uh, that's that holy life that all of us are called to. That means me. It means you. And, and you know, one thing I, I can't come back to enough is, is that this all began in Acts chapter 18. The book of Acts is what? It's, an, it's about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because get, what did we learn from our two weeks in the book of, of Acts? We learned that... Uh, the only reason Acts 18 happened was because Acts 1 and 2 happened. Uh, if Acts 1 and 2 uh, did not happen, if they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out upon them, those disciples would have been bickering and arguing and acting like little kids for the rest of their life. Instead, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to go and live that holy life and declare the grace of God and start a church in Corinth. And that's the same way uh, that it is for us today. We can't live this kind of life in the power of our strength. But, but guess what? We absolutely can. And I, I, one of the most wonderful things of being in ministry is seeing uh, so many leave the, uh, leave the worldly life, even leave the worldly light life and live a holy life and be so blessed and used by it. Now, you know, one of the things that I think is worth saying is that, uh, is that there is going to be a special reward. And, and I'm not just patting us on the back. Right? For those of you who know me, I'm not this kind of guy. But there's a special reward for living in the year 2006 in the United States of America and living a life of holiness. You know, sometimes, every once in a while, this doesn't happen too often, but you get a missionary from the field, and, and uh, we, we support missions. My brother's a missionary. I love missionaries, but every once in a while, one will come back, and they'll just try to lay all the guilt 
on the people in America. Oh, you in America, you have so much and, and this and that. Uh, well, well, let me tell you, you know, there is some truth to that. It's a, it's a prophetic word that needs to be say, said, but uh, what, what the, the oftentimes they wind up doing is, is they wind up giving this misconception about living in America. Let me tell you, with everything that we have access to in this country, for those of us who are, by the power of God and, and His grace, living a life in holiness. The Bible says that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ if we receive good and bad while done in the body. There's a reward for that. There is a reward. It's such a powerful thing. I don't know about you, uh, you, uh, with you, but for me, just to, 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 to whether it's this city or or traveling down to New York or San Francisco or wherever uh, or in, in, in universe, uh, university life or out there in, in, in the neighborhoods, whatever, to see someone living for the Lord where, where there's just righteousness there and, and where there's holiness there, where there's that love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Oh, it's just such an encouragement. And, and let me tell you, there's a special reward for that. There's a special reward there. So uh, I, wa- I just want uh, to, to close now in prayer after we'll uh, sing a... Uh, a Al- actually, Albert's going to come up and uh, sing a worship song. But I'd like to just close in prayer and just uh, asking for the power of God in our life and the grace of God and the wisdom to be just the people that God is so clearly telling us we are through His Word, a holy people. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word, Lord, and, and we're encouraged by your word, Lord, and though it is very heavy, Lord God, and, it, and, and even it's a warning to our hearts, Lord God, it's, it's to me, Lord, it's just such an encouragement uh, to our hearts. Lord, every, I, I think I can speak for every person in this room, Lord, we, wanna, we don't want to live a fruitless life. We don't want to live a, a common life, Lord, we don't want to just live a a, a, a life that uh, is, is filled with compromise, Lord. We want to be Christ-like. Lord, you say in your word that, that, that uh, our relationship with you, Lord God, is, is dependent upon this type of thing. Your word says, uh, even as I am holy, you be holy. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And Father, we, we want to see you in our lives. God, every minute, every day. And so, Lord, we know we can't do it in our own strength, Lord. We ask, God, once again, fill us with your spirit, Lord. Give us grace. God, I just pray that we, uh, Lord God, would just leave, leave this room. Lord, just encouraged and, and empowered, Lord, to live that very kind of life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, would Amy... Could you please come up and also would, uh, actually, Jose, why don't you come up as well? They're going to be up here for prayer uh, after the service, and uh, Albert's going to close us with a song of worship. Why doesn't everyone uh, stand up?